Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Welcome along, everyone. This is Daniel Reuters from Humanly, and today I'm joined once again by Pauline Dirtz. Paul, we had you on the podcast probably about a year ago now. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's so good to be back. I'm really looking forward to some more exchange. Yeah, we were just having a really great conversation off camera before we started and just like, oh, there's so much gold we're already talking about. We haven't even pressed the record button yet. Um, so yeah, you're a sort of like a holistic health coach and you've been doing that for what, probably over 15 or so years. And I know you've written your book, The Root Cause of Cancer, but you're doing some really interesting stuff. So do you want to fill everyone in about what you've been doing over the last year since I spoke to you last? Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for asking that. Um, I don't often get a chance to share this, so I would love to answer that. What, what I've been doing is working on identifying the root cause of cancer with my cancer clients for over 10 years now. I think it's about 12 years now. So, and, and what I did is I create, I, I kind of carried out really rare research. And in my opinion, this is the kind of research where you really, it has real value because I was working directly with people, you know, like really assessing a person who has cancer, assessing their life with them in communication with them, like really connecting with them and trying to figure out what is the cause of their cancer. So before I even started this, I was a holistic lifestyle coach. Um, so what I did is I created a program about 12 years ago now. It was in 2012. So uh, 10, 10 years ago, I wrote my book 12 years ago. I created this program because after people started to read my book, which explains that I was theorizing then that the cause of cancer is actually chronic stress. It's a psychological, mental, emotional, chronic stress that's really the cause. And then two years later, I had people start coming to me, and this wasn't even my plan, but I had people with cancer coming to me that had tried everything to heal, and it was working for, it seemed to be working for a while, but then it would, their cancer would oftentimes come back, so whether it's alternative or traditional. So they would, you know, traditionally, uh, let's say a person does chemotherapy and it can destroy their cancer, then uh, two months later, it grows back again. And so it's oftentimes worse or two years later, it grows back. And then alternatively, this is often the case too. And so people that had had that experience would come to me because I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about the root cause, identifying the actual cause. So, you know, if your foot hurts because you have a sliver in it, you can eat organic food and you can do all sorts of treatments, but until you actually realize there's a sliver there and you pull the sliver out, then the body can't really complete its healing process. The problem just keeps appearing. So for, for 10 years, I had people live with me. I created a one month cancer residency where I would work with one person and I would have a helper and just me. So it oftentimes just be like the three of us and a person would come oftentimes with stage three or four cancer told nothing else can be done and that they would die. So they would come thinking, well, what's there to lose? They'd come into my program 
disconnect from the outside world, which would remove them from all the sources of responsibilities and stress and to-do lists and everything, all the burdens. They they totally just let go of treatments and any kind of attempt to destroy their cancer because they already tried that for sometimes years. And so in my three-week resident or my one-month residency, which I reduced to three weeks over time because I realized it's not even that much time is too, too long. It's not even needed. I would ask them, what are the major stresses in your life? What's been going on? What was happening in your life before you're diagnosed and so on? We'd look into their childhood. We'd look into their future. Like, do you have dreams for the future? I'd of course look at their diet and look at their lifestyle principles. How well are they sleeping at night? Do they, are they breathing clean air? Are they surrounded by toxins and so on? But over a 10 year period, it was essentially just revealed to me over and over again, what the root cause of cancer actually is. And it's not physical, it's emotional. And always without, without like when I work with someone today, I already know what the cause of their cancer is before I even do the session with them because cancer shows up in a specific part of the body based on the type of stress that was going on in a person's life. And this is related to how the brain is connected to the body. So if a person's stressed about say money, if, if, if it's like a money stress, then that affects a certain part of the brain, which is associated with a certain part of the body. So cancer shows up there. If it's stress that's related to love, then it shows up in a different region of the body and so on. And uh, this was revealed to me in patterns. So I would have someone with breast cancer come and I would hear the whole story. They would share everything that's going on in their life because we're working together basically as a team investigatively to, to figure out what is the root cause. Let's say there was no focus on destroying the cancer. Like zero focus because that had already been tried and wasn't working. So then they would tell me their story. And then the next time I would have breast cancer, I would have them tell me their story. And it would be very similar that the type of stress, the theme. And so over 10 years, all these patterns were just revealed. And so now I've essentially mapped out what the cause of cancer is in each region of the body, whether it's liver, colon, breast, pancreas, brain cancer, lung cancer, and so on. There's all, they all have a specific cause and all of them are psychological. So it's important to be healthy physically still. It's still important to eat organic food and, and sometimes do juicing with raw juices and so on. All of that is essential because that brings life force into the body that causes healing on its own. But like I said, until you address the actual root of it, that's oftentimes not enough. You know, and I've, I've had people come to me now that said, I don't know how I have cancer. How can I possibly have cancer? I eat organic food. I exercise. I do all these things. And yet I have cancer. And it's, it's because it's emotional. Yeah, I remember so the loss. Sorry. Yeah, that's the work that I've been doing. That's the research that I've done. Essentially, um, that kind of research isn't done by the cancer industry, hmm. right? That's why there's been no progress, really. Like the, the Cancer Society for over 100 years now has been just doing the same thing, using some new kind of chemotherapy or some new kind of radiation treatment 
or more advanced and more refined and perfected surgery. But all the research or the vast majority of the research is done in a laboratory on cancer cells in a beaker, trying to figure out how does this cancer cell work? How can we destroy this cancer cell? And when you narrow it down to that, it's pretty much impossible to actually understand what cancer, what cancer really is, what causes it and how to reverse it, how to heal or how to prevent it. Because cancer is a way more complex thing than a cell in a beaker. A, a human being is a very complex creature. We have emotions, we have a mind, we have a physical body, of course, and we have, and there's even a spiritual component to this as well. What are our belief systems? Our belief systems affect our thoughts and our emotions. So I, I, I break it into four categories. We're physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual beings. So the human race has a big challenge on its hand because the rate of cancer is essentially one in two people. 50% of people are developing cancer. Mm. And it's because of uh, what it really boils down to is humanity has become so disconnected from fulfilling its needs. Like human beings are no longer being taught how to actually love themselves, which is to fulfill your needs. And the, the amount of disconnection from the fulfillment of needs has just been growing and growing over the years. The disconnection from ourselves, like from our body, what we actually need, from our emotions, what actually makes us happy, from our spiritual component, what, what gives us purpose and meaning in life? Like, why do we really want to even be here? Why do we exist? So as the human race keeps getting more and more disconnected from these things, then our real needs as a living human being aren't being fulfilled. And so the amount of stress that we experience as individuals rises and rises. And when we're psychologically stressed, it's affecting our physiology. And so this is ultimately leading to cancer. And is this because we're living in an ever-increasing sort of urbanized, modernized society where everything is basically now done for you? You can press a button on your phone and some guy that you don't know brings some food to your house. You don't even have to get off the couch. So you're not living and you're not living a natural lifestyle and the things that you are doing aren't out of necessity. So you're just randomly doing all these activities that give you no connection or no meaning. And then you sort of become disconnected that way. Is that sort of how you sure. see it or am I off the mark here? Uh, definitely. It's, it's, it's like if you're a human being alive today, you're very much living in a system, in like a structured society that has certain values and certain intentions for its very construction. When, when kids go to school today, they're essentially being raised to enter into the economy. You know, like children today are spending the first 15 years or however many years of their life collecting facts and information in their head and by force like the, the very foundation of the school system is to take a child essentially disconnect them from their their freedom 
like this school is not a question. It's not like, hey, would you like to go to school to, at, at all? Would you like to go to school today? Would you like to learn about this for the next hour? Would you like to learn about all this other stuff for the next eight hours today? Would you like to spend the next six months learning all this information? It's not a question. It's a you, it does not matter how you feel. It does not matter what you need. It does not matter what you want. You have to do this. And if you don't succeed, we will label you with an F or a D or a C or a B. And if you get the A, then that's really a success for you as an individual. This is so absurd. This is not like as a human being, we have emotions and we have our own desires and we have a need for freedom. A certain amount of freedom is needed to be healthy and happy. And one of the reasons we have a desire is because we're all unique souls. And so our desires have a very deep purpose. When we have a desire to explore a thing or to pursue something, that's because that's basically connected to the reason why we're even here. Like if, if a human being has a strong desire to climb trees, there's some reason for that. Mm. And it'll turn into a, a high skill and an ability. And somehow that can be a gift to humanity. So maybe they'd be someone that would turn into someone who, who builds houses and trees for humanity. So we no longer cut down trees to build houses, but we're actually living in them. So then we're protecting the very source of our oxygen on the planet by doing that and, and so on, you can just see how beneficial that would be. But if a child has these kind of desires when they're young, they're disconnected from them and put into almost a prison to collect all this information. So after 15 years, yes, they're, they are almost on like autopilot. Like you're almost trained to become a robot and you're just the, the primary focus is mainly money. It's money to pay your taxes. It's money to be able to afford a place to stay. It's money to buy all this stuff. And this, this becomes the primary value and motive for most human beings. It's, it's really, really a big problem. And in fact, my third book that I'll be starting soon, because I'm about to release my second book, which explains the root cause of cancer in each region of the body. The third book, I'm actually going to talk about the school system, because ultimately, the deepest root cause of cancer that's leading to all the chronic stress that people run into in their life and can't navigate and can't resolve and end up getting stuck in, which causes cancer, is because of their upbringing. Mm which is highly, highly related to the school system because even our parents were once schooled. So there's this huge disconnect from the family, huge disconnect from love. You know, by the time we're 15 or 20 years old, what we really should have is a deep connection now to our body and a deep connection to our intuition and a deep connection to what our needs are. And we should have a wisdom and knowledge on how to love ourselves and look after ourselves. But instead, we can kind of like repeat some part of history and get an A for that. Or we can, um, you know, uh, draw on a map of the world where all the countries are. <laughs> but, you know, the, the majority of the countries in the world, I might not ever even see 
in my whole entire lifetime, but I'm going to spend years in school learning all about this stuff. You know, yeah. it's just, so to be truly alive, I was mentioning this, I think maybe before we started recording part, part of healing cancer and reversing it is to become alive, like to become be fully living. And so there's certain components to that, but, um, if, uh, if I were to just ask you, what do you desire right now? What do you like to pursue? And then you had the freedom to go do that. You'd be alive. Hmm. But if I were to tell you that, Daniel, you have to go and start studying this specific kind of information for the next year, and I'm going to test you on it. And you're not even interested in that. Do you see how there is almost like a death? that occurs in a person it's like a part of them is dying because they are living for something that is not really their soul's desire mm. it's a really huge deal like <laughs> i hope i'm emphasizing it enough because it's it's a really big deal as a human being we're meant to be alive yes so it's like hum humanity's become disconnected to what that even means so as you were alluding to earlier, you can just like sit in front of a TV and that means we're somehow alive. Well, like the way that I, when you're talking about this, what goes through my head is I want to live my life out of necessity. So it's like, I want to live as close to nature as I can. And everything I do each day is a necessity for me to survive and for me to live harmoniously within nature. So it might be that, yes, I do have to climb a tree because I've got to go and pull the fruit out of it because I want to have some breakfast, right? I want everything that I do in that day to be completely out of necessity. And then you start to feel fulfilled and you're more connected to nature. But everything we do in, in today's society, we're just disconnected. There's no necessity. Everything, as you said, is, is out of either like desire or want or greed. There's no, no necessity for probably 90% of what we do. So we're living in that sort of lifestyle. I'm just trying to put the pieces together here in my head, but living in that sort of environment or lifestyle, and then that's negatively affecting our emotions. And then the emotions manifest as a physical disease. Is this the, the, the train of events that's happening? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, one of the things that I emphasize and teach in my cancer prevention coach training which includes a whole complete emotional healing process. It's 15, a 15 step deep understanding and teaching and tool for understanding our emotions and navigating stresses when they occur emotionally. Um, what, one of the things I teach in that is that our emotions exist for a reason. They're actually one of the most important parts of our guidance system as a human being. And there's all sorts of ideas out there today. You know, anger is bad. No, if you're angry, there's a reason. Oftentimes, if someone's crossing your boundaries, you get angry. That's good. That's healthy. Now, spiritually speaking, or to be an adult with your anger or to be healed would be to recognize when you're coming into an angry state and then have control over how you're going to express it. 
So sort of unhealed or, or unhealthy anger would be going and beating the shit out of someone or smashing things or swearing and, and emotionally abusing someone, of course. So that's why it's understandable why people think anger is unhealthy. But actually, anger is still occurring for a reason. And oftentimes, because people suppress it all the time, because they think it's bad, that's when it comes out in much darker ways. But, but anger to just express like, yes, I'm upset right now. I'm angry because this isn't good. That's normal and healthy. And the reason you're getting angry is because your needs aren't being fulfilled. But see what the school system, many kids will get angry. Like, I don't want to be here. But they have to learn how to survive that system. And the only way that they can survive, because they can't leave it, because if they leave it, they're just a child. So they can't actually survive on their own. So they have to stay in it and figure out how to survive. And one of the primary ways that all human beings figure out how to survive stressful scenarios where their needs aren't being met is to just go numb, is to just disconnect from their actual emotions and feelings. So that's why humanity is like turned into like many, a lot of what we need to do to heal is to get access back to our mind and become an open-minded thinker again. We actually can think for ourselves. We're not just repeating information we can think again because we're free in ourselves and we're we're listening to our emotions on a regular basis so then we can follow uh trails of happiness we can actually start to incorporate more happiness into our lives oftentimes when i ask people what makes you happy they don't know actually if they're really serious and they just look to see what makes, what actually makes me happy. It's, it's, it's a difficult question and it's understandable because they've just been disconnected. Yeah. They're just a product of the system. That's the way the system wants them to be. The right. Humanity's them become, to be the other way. Right. It's like a human being is one of the most valuable commodities actually. Mm. If you can get human beings, other human beings to do, to focus on whatever, to, to pay you taxes, to, to, uh, you know, spend their money on things that aren't even good for them. For example, that's a great dark business model where you sell people stuff that's harmful to them, but you've convinced them to actually buy it and want it. That's a common reality in humanity today. So we're in, I feel like we're humanity's in really dark times, but at the same time, we're in this massive awakening mm. where this very stuff is coming to light. And so we can actually start changing it and doing something about it. And yeah, this we is have another to go. Thing, this is another thing I share with people. It's so important. I think you're maybe just going to say this. It's we have to have the strength to look at the darkness. Yes. We have to be able to look at what's actually wrong. And sometimes that's scary and painful for people, probably again, because of the, the school system, because there's a wound there. Mm. They were basically, you know, every time they didn't get an A, they were in pain, judged, shamed. So it's just easier not to look at the imperfections of life, but we can't change it unless we look at it. And that's what's happening in the great awakening. It's just like, it's beautiful. There's so many human beings across the world that are aware of so many things who have woken up to things and oftentimes it's because of pain 
you know, oftentimes disease or pain uh, and challenges finally wakes people up. It's like they come out of their sleep to, and mm-hmm. then realize, wait, it's not just that something's, it's not like something's wrong with me, actually. It's something's wrong with this system. Yes. So in, in order to heal, you have to, you know, correct things inside yourself. If there's anything that doesn't really serve life or serve yourself, both. And then you have to then figure out how to purposely start contributing to a better world. Yeah. And when I look back on school for me, it was like, now I look back, it was a nightmare. It was like a living nightmare because they forced you to learn and do all these things that you didn't want to do. And it never really made sense to me. I never really fit in. Um, And I always challenged the ideas that were being put forward. And I thought, oh, well, it's probably something wrong with me. But now I look back, I go, actually, it was like a square peg peg trying to fit into a round hole it was a broken system and yeah certainly if i ever have children i won't be putting them into that system it's just not going to happen um because i want my children to be free thinking and you know they they teach they put you in school to make you intelligent and to make you smart and all this sort of stuff but i think after 12 years of schooling maybe 20 if you go through university and maybe you do a couple of extra degrees um, after that point in time, you'll probably never have an original thought again in your whole life. <laughs> yeah. You'll yeah, only you're, ever you're, just regurgitate. Yeah. It's, it's a per- person can really lose themselves yeah. into that system and into that education. Um, and it's, it's, and it's not, this is by no means an attack towards or, or critique of like teachers or, or people that are just in the system because we're born in the system. And then we figure out, then we're asked, how do you want to contribute to the system? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, it, but I was just, uh, I just had a student in one of my classes who was a teacher who, who stopped and she, she decided to stop before she even heard of me or met me. Mm-hmm. And um, she ended up taking my course and now she's a mindful coach for kids awesome so she, yeah she was a teacher for something like 20 years and she just started to realize this doesn't line up for her anymore you know and and, it, and it's difficult it's difficult to wake up to what's not right and then have the courage to somehow find a new way to exist mm. that's what makes healing difficult oftentimes for people because part of your very existence your definition of self your identity is based on you being a product of the system. And you just put many, many years of your life into that. You know, like I went to university for four years and I don't use my degree at all. I just spent four years and a bunch of money. You know, it's not that it was completely worthless. I'm sure I learned a couple of things, <laughs> but but really the, the real learning is not, is, is about living, is about living your life. That's when you really learn. That's when you learn about the, the serious stuff. And, you know, when I was in university, I, I got 100% on one of my exams. It was a macroeconomics or something or microeconomics. I had to take both. I can't remember which one it was, but I found out that if I didn't get something like 94% in that class, I wouldn't get honors. So back then I'm like, well, this is, this is so serious. I got to somehow get 94%. Pressure. 
Yeah, so I ended up developing this elaborate way to study for the whole year. And I, I bought a recorder and I sat in the front of the class and I recorded everything the professor said. And after class, I would listen to the whole lecture again, now this time taking notes. So first I would just listen openly and learn from that way perception. And then I would take notes again later. And then I read the whole textbook and made notes as I read the textbook. And I created my own exam. So I asked questions like, what could they possibly ask me based on this information? And I just created my own exam. I literally had no life. This took me so much time. I had no social life, but I wanted to get honors because somehow that would help with like my resume in the future. <laughs> and when I wrote the exam, I got a hundred percent. And then I forgot everything. Like I, I couldn't, if I were to write that exam today, I would probably fail because the truth was I didn't care at all about that stuff. I just had to, you know, get a certain number of credits. I had to pick a course to get my honors degree, which I don't use today. So I, I spent, and, you know, I'm glad that you said you, when you think back to school, it was like a nightmare <laughs> because when I was finally done university, I actually had nightmares. I remember having nightmares. I would, I would have a dream that I had an exam coming or, or some kind of like a essay to hand in or project to complete. And in my dream, I would feel all this pressure and anxiety and mm -hmm. just really overwhelmed and, Oh God. I'm, and then I would wake up and be like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not in school anymore. You know, I had a dream or should I say a nightmare <laughs> like that last night where I was back in high school and I had like a maths exam or something I had to do. And it was like just the amount of anxiety and, and yeah, it was so uncomfortable when you wake up from that and you go, God, I'm glad that was, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. Um, so there's obviously like this emotional scar there, which seems like I need to deal with. And this would be something that other people that come to see you with cancer would need to deal with. So that, that emotion that they're holding on to then somehow manifests as a physical disease as cancer mm -hmm. um, yeah. is that like a disruption to the frequency of the tissue is it like not getting enough blood flow like how, how is that manifesting well i could explain it two different ways um this is the kind of stuff that i teach in my cancer prevention training but i'll i'll, I'll share some of this now okay. um i just don't want to rush it because it it takes a lot of time to explain it in depth sure. but i can touch on some of this mm -hmm. now so scientifically speaking, um, or, you know, what's more logical and understandable or measurable is the brain actually, which is where our thoughts are occurring or, and our memories and our information and everything is here. Right. So when a person's talking or thinking, there's all this electrical activity occurring in the brain and this electrical activity is, let's just call it life force this is living energy. Like you're, you're alive. So you're thinking, you know, so, and then, an, an encephalogram picks up electrical activity in the brain. That's because we're alive. If a person's dead, there's no electric electrical activity and this electrical activity, this life force is all throughout the whole body. So when your heart beats, you have that shows up on an ECG monitor as uh, electrical impulses. 
And every time we move any of the contract, any of the muscles in the body, it's all uh, that these show up on another type of instrument that measures the electrical activity in muscles. So there is life force flowing through the whole body and the brain actually reaches down. It's one piece that's like the, the spinal cord and the brain are connected. Mm. There's no separation. It's one actual piece. We just mm. call this section brain. We call the other section down the spine, spine, the spinal cord. And then from the cord, it branches out into nerves that reach to every cell of the body. Every single cell in our body has a nerve touching it. It's called innervating it, which a lot of scientific or medical people would know what that means. It's innervated. And that's why if you were to touch your arm right now somewhere, you would feel it because there's a nerve there and it sends an electrical impulse up to the brain and so on. So you're, you're perceiving uh, your surroundings with this. So when you have certain thoughts, those thoughts are connected to motions. Like if you think about how, <laughs> let's say there's an exam coming and there's only so many days before that exam has to be written. And you know that you have to study some endless amount of material. And there's so much weighing on this. Like if you don't succeed on this exam, it's almost like your life could be ruined. Like you won't make money in the future. You won't be able to get a job. It's, it's serious stuff. Of course, it's all an illusion. You know, like after school, I didn't even use my degree. I went and followed my heart and started my own business. But so those types of thoughts are entangled with emotions. So every type of thought is. So maybe the emotions with that might be, uh, it's always unique, but those emotions might be anxiety, worry, um, feeling pressure, feeling overwhelmed, fear. And fear is one of the most common negative emotions. So what this does is it causes now um, elect the electrical activity to change and, and certain parts of the body to be affected. So um, if you're worried, for example, about an exam, what it would probably affect is the nerves that branch out from the base of the spine, which is the uh, sacral plexus. And that's like a branch of nerves that come out and those nerves innervate the colon, for example. So, so when you're having stress in your brain about an exam or about something connected to money like that survival, then it will actually affect the nerves that um, branch out from that part of the brain to a specific part of the body where it's actually connected. So literally your colon can be affected by certain thoughts and emotions. So if you are carrying stress like that repeatedly day after day after day, and it's becoming chronic, it can actually start to cause detriment to the colon. The colon can lose its function and it can become, now if you suppress your emotions, so if you start to just go numb to it all because it's reached that level of stress, then it's like, you're, you're, you've become disconnected electrically from your colon. Right. And so life force doesn't reach that part of the body so much anymore. 
So it's like that part of the body has become stuck. Okay. Because in your life, you're stuck. Like you're stuck in the fight or flight response and can't get out of it, or at least you think you can't. Mm. And so this energy starts to get problematic and stuck in the colon. And that is when cancer can grow there. So is it kind of, I'm just trying to better understand this in my head. Is it kind of like your brain and the rest of your nervous system is all one piece and it's like a super highway sending information back and forth all the time and it can't hold on to emotions or energy because if it holds on to it it's going to block something right so then the signal is going to be it's going to be hard for that signal to get through so does it take that energy and then say right we're going to shunt it out into the tissue and we're going to keep it in the tissue because if it comes back into the nervous system that ain't going to be good because then you're going to lose the capacity to send signals and things to the rest of the body is is that kind of yeah that's happening? how you can that's how you can get inflammation flare-ups in the body right with, with this energy being dissipated out because of the block yeah okay. so it's disrupting the flow and then you get so oftentimes when people are stressed overworking they can get um, low back pain or when people are stressed in relationships they can get hip pain yeah. And it's because of this inflammatory re response occurring because the electrical activity that's connected to these regions of the body is starting to leak out and get blocked and so on. It's not flowing. Mm. That's why I say part of healing is to become alive again, because when you're really alive, you're flowing. You're actually moving through life in a state of wholeness. Like it's like you're flowing. And so inside your body, the electrical activity is actually flowing too. And then everything just works how it's supposed to, because when your needs are fulfilled, everything works, you know, like you don't have symptoms appear in your body unless your needs are not fulfilled. Right. So we need water. And if we've been hydrated, then we won't have a symptom of a dry mouth or, or a headache. Right. And if we're, our need for happiness is fulfilled most of the time, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like it's okay to have stress sometimes. But if, if our need for happiness is fulfilled, then electrically, our thoughts and emotions are actually flowing. So regions of the body that are connected to that are alive. What do you think cancer is? I know we were talking about this briefly before we started recording today, and I found your line of thought very interesting. So yeah, what do you think cancer is? Is it serving a purpose? Um, or is it just the body doing something wrong? Well, like, how do you see it? Well, that's a really potent question. Um, so, well, when I wrote my first book, The Root Cause of Cancer, what I explain in that book is that cancer is part of a survival response in the body. And that's definitely still the case is uh, that's just become even more clear and true for me after working with all these people with cancer. And somehow the, the cancer is forming and it's part of this survival mode or survival state that a person's in. And what, I'm, what I've discovered now is that there's a good chance that what cancer is, is actually a fungus. Now the cause is not, 
the cause of cancer is not fungus. So I went to the Cure to Cancer conference in San Diego in um, 2008 or uh, 2000 and maybe it was 2012 or something. I can't remember what year. I was invited there to come and speak. And there was a bunch of people there. Um, there was some really awesome pioneer type people in cancer doing really good stuff. Like um, to remember people's names, Thomas Lodi was one of them. He has one of the healings, uh, a healing institute, I think in Mexico. Um, there's someone that created the truth about cancer series, uh, Ty Bollinger. Sorry, I, I, my memory is not great with names sometimes. He was speaking there. Um, Chris Beat Cancer is another name. Um, and he, he helps a lot of people with cancer. So he was speaking there. And there was more. There was a whole bunch of really awesome people. And I was lucky enough to be invited as well to come speak. And what I was teaching was that the cause, the cause of cancer is chronic stress. Mm. <laughs> and everyone had their own you know, approach to cancer. And, and they had their own sort of uh, advice on healing. And there's just a lot of really valuable information there. But there was one person there. And his name is Doug Kaufman. And he was showing clearly that cancer is a fungus. And he has a book, I think it's called The Fungal Link, which is an amazing book, The Fungal Link by Doug Kaufman. And, um, but him and I had a dis disagreement and right. we get along really well. I, I don't mean like it was a challenge between us, but uh, he's saying cancer is a fungus and I'm saying cancer is caused by chronic stress. It's not caused by a fungus. He's sure it's caused by a fungus. Mm -hmm. At least he was then. So what I think I've discovered now is that we were both right. Is that chronic stress causes cancer and cancer is a fungus. And one of the ways that I started to figure this out is because I discovered something, and this was amazing. In, in my work with people with cancer, certain people found out about me and what I was doing, and they wanted to support me. Of course, there's lots of people that just think I'm some kind of a quack and all of that stuff, and people, people didn't like me, <laughs> which was a big surprise for me when I started doing this work because, I mean, you know, I thought people would be grateful for it, but it, it's, cancer is such a confusing industry and there's so much wounds and trauma around it like really devastating experiences people have gone through with cancer and there is a lot of corruption in it the cancer industry and so on so um what i did is someone mailed me a dvd anonymous that they uh they sent me personally i don't know who it was i still don't know to this day and it was the instructions for making something called black salve. Black salve, yeah. And um, all sorts of details and information on it. So black salve, apparently, what this DVD said is it would destroy a tumor in about a day. In about 24 hours, a tumor would be completely dead, including all the roots of it. And so I Googled it, black salve. And then there's all this propaganda and, and, you know, dishonesty around it. 
saying it's super, it'll burn holes through your skin and all this stuff. So what I did is I just tested it on myself. <laughs> so I ate some of it and I put it on, on under patches and put it on my skin just in small amounts and really thoroughly experimented with this stuff after I made it myself. So I knew exactly what was in it. It took a long time for me to get all the ingredients uh, and it did nothing to me. So then when I ended up working with someone with cancer in the future, um, they want, I, I told them about black salve and they said, I want to try it. So we used it and it was right at the beginning of my program. And she had a tumor under her arm. That was about, it was really large. It was, it was about the size of a golf ball and clear, like bulging out of the skin. And so we put black salve on it and that tumor died the entire thing was clearly dead within a day. It turned black and the body, and then it started to erupt out of the skin. It was like not nice experience for her, really painful. It, it's, it's like a surgery has just been done. It's like a part of your body just died and it's now being like pushed out, of, out by the body. It was like really incredibly painful experience but it killed the whole tumor and the body just pushed it out of her skin. And I thought, Oh my God, I found, I've, I've discovered, you know, someone has shared with me like a cure to cancer, but what I teach in my cancer prevention coach training and to all of my clients is that there is no cure for cancer and there can never be a cure for cancer because once you understand how the body works and what's really causing it, there's no way around this. It's, it's, it just has to be this way all the time because it's a product. It's an end product of our needs not being fulfilled. So the only way you could like have a cure for cancer is if you just stop being a human being or something, you know, if you're a robot, then yes. So, but then what happened is where the hole was, where the tumor previously was and had died, new cancer cells started growing there very clearly and very quickly. And within less than a week, that hole filled in again with new cancer cells, a brand new tumor. Right. And that's when I just realized a couple of things like, whole, whoa, okay. So I have to continue doing what I'm doing with people and just identify the root cause and resolve it. Because even if I, even if I can destroy cancer, perfectly like not me like even if black salve can destroy cancer perfectly because it doesn't harm any cells except the tumor if you haven't addressed the root cause the thing that's causing the growth then it just grows again immediately so that was a deep deep lesson for me and and a discovery in the research which the cancer industry like chemotherapy they figured this out a hundred years ago but they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again Mm. Um, destroying cancer doesn't work long-term is essentially the conclusion, which they just don't seem to care about. Mm. Um, but then something else was revealed to me in that experience. Why didn't the tumor continue to grow? I watched it on a daily basis over the course of just a few days. It was less than a week. I think it was four days. I took pictures of this. And the tumor grew really quickly and filled in that space, the size of a golf ball in just a matter of days. 
but then stopped. Mm. So why didn't it continue to grow? That's because it's fungus. Because fungus only grows on dead things. Yeah. So it doesn't just grow anywhere. It just grows. And it, the job of fungus is to break down and digest living, uh, uh, once living tissue that has died and its life force has gotten to a low, low level and fungus appears. Somehow fungus appears hmm. and its job is to, just to digest it. So that's why it grew again. Now, the reason why, now when a person has cancer, where their cancer is, is where I said the electrical activity has changed based on the psychology and the emotions. So it's like that part of their body is actually disconnected from life force. So it's in a death state, low life force. So fungus grows there, just there. The rest of their body can be perfect health. You can literally be completely, totally healthy, but then have a tumor somewhere just in one spot. And this is why. Right. And one of the analogies that Doug Kaufman shares, which I really love in his teachings, and I, again, I highly re recommend his book, but just remember the root cause is chronic stress. <laughs> I need to have a talk with him. We, like, I, I really want to get together with him and discuss this because he's done amazing, amazing research as I have, and to combine it would just be wonderful. But um, um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, so the analogy that he shares is if you pick a piece of fruit from a tree, it's disconnected from life. Mm. And now it's actually dying. Yes. It's not dead yet. That's why you can eat it and receive life force and nutrition and so on. But of course, if you eat rotten dead fruit, it'll make you sick and does the opposite. So when the fruit reaches a certain point of death or low, low life force energy, then fungus starts to grow on it. Only then, because the job of fungus is to digest once living matter and recycle it back into the soil. If you were to cut so if you find a piece of fungus on an apple and you cut that out and you get rid of it and the rest of the apple is clearly good, it's just a matter of time before new fungus somehow appears. And like the medical system thinks, oh, we didn't cut out enough of the person's body. You know, they got to cut out like a certain margin around the tumor and if they, and, and not miss a cell, mm. but actually that doesn't, help really because well i mean to some degree if you take a tumor out then it helps temporarily especially if a tumor is putting pressure on nerves or blocking blood flow or blocking the colon sometimes surgery can be life-saving actually get the tumor out of there because it takes time to actually heal to do to do the real healing work but it doesn't matter how big of a margin you cut if the root cause isn't addressed then fungus appears again because this area of the body is what's shutting down. And this is part of the feedback loop of the whole system too. So you can't get rid of symptoms in the body for very long because the body just figures out how to grab your attention in a different way. Cause there's, there's a really, there's a real problem occurring. So 
if, if, if you don't have a feedback system to let you know when you're not happy or when your physical needs are not met and so on, then it's like you're not alive, right? So, um, yeah, I think I answered, yeah. I, I can't even remember what your initial question was because I just went on a whole bunch of tangents, I think. But That's I, good. I think it's good. You've covered so much there. Um, and I, I tend to agree with what you're saying that cancer may indeed be a fungus and it is there for a reason. Like you think about why fungus is in nature as you explained about the apple analogy, same thing with the human body. Um, so if we've got this fungus, we don't treat it by coming along with an anti fungus medication or as you said to cut it out so how do you approach treating it which is different to what the mainstream approach is i know you've spoken a little bit about this about good diet and nutrition and lifestyle and working on um, traumas and things like that but how do you specifically approach someone with a big ball of fungus growing underneath their arm right well so yeah, like you said, if you do an antifungal type of approach, it can be, it, it usually, it's not going to work long-term. The only way it's going to be helpful is if you address the root cause, which is causing the growth to begin with. So that's what I do is I go straight to the root cause, assessing, figuring out what the real stress here is. So I have to have a relationship, like a coaching relationship with my client. It usually takes well, I can get to the root cause now of the person in one session pretty much every single time. Wow. It's, I've just been doing this for so long, so it's, it's become sort of not, um, yeah, like it's kind of easy. <laughs> but it's not easy, though, for most people, so I don't like to say that. It's like a very complicated, stressful situation. But So what I do is I help a person get clear on what the real cause is, and then we start resolving those stresses and we start making real changes in their life that are exactly correlated to that stress. And when that, when those changes are successful, when a person really does make the changes they need to make, then the cancer just disappears because it's as if it's as if you've reconnected the apple to the tree. It's, it's as if, they've come fully alive again. So with an apple, you can't reconnect it to a tree, but with a person who has been in chronic stress and now they're suppressing emotions and they're in a survival state and now cancer is showing up because they're in this survival state because it's inviting fungus in. Um, when they resolve that, they really do become alive again because one of the your very source of life force energy, the primary source of life force energy is your soul, actually. And I can explain that really easily. So most people would understand that if you eat organic food, you're going to get more life energy from that food because it's so alive versus if you're to eat, say, a bag of chips in a vending machine that sits there in a plastic bag for like three months. And then you go and you eat the chips. That's a dead thing. Like the food is pretty much dead. And that's why it causes sickness, you know, make your skin break out and whatever, 
or fast food because it's not alive. This is why pasteurized milk is so bad to drink because it's a dead thing. Mm. Whereas raw milk is actually alive. It has life force. So when you sleep at night, you gain life force energy. That's why through the breath and because you're not thinking and moving, when you lay the hold still like that for eight hours sleeping and then wake up in the morning, you actually have more life force in your system. And this is why sleep is a massive component of being healthy and also healing. So you can look at many different sources of life force, but the primary source of life force is the soul. And I said in the beginning of the session, when, if a person dies, the electrical activity that's occurring in their brain and the electrical activity that's occurring in their heart and all over their body and their muscles actually disappears. It ceases altogether. Mm. And that's because the soul is what's actually bringing the life energy in. So when the soul leaves the body, all the life force energy leaves with it. So now there's certain, the tissue is still in a sense alive, but now it's like disconnected from the source of life, like an apple picked from a tree. So slowly that body now will eventually drain away, like come to a point where there's the life force is so low that it begins to literally decompose and then it'll grow fungus just like an apple and eventually turn into the soil. Right. So part of healing and reversing cancer, like long-term, like really actually addressing the root cause and healing from within without any need for treatment, treatment, I don't like that word because it's, you know, if you were to go get a massage, I could see calling that a treatment because it's like you've been treated in a good way. But when you go get a cancer treatment, it's like you've been assaulted massively, yeah. you know, like chemotherapy is injected through a port. They have to put a port close to the heart so that the, the poison gets injected almost directly into the heart because the arteries around the heart and the heart itself is re they're really thick and strong. Whereas if you, and they can, they can survive the poison for long, like for a few weeks, maybe. But if it's injected into the arm, it just dissolves all the arteries in the arm. Mm -hmm. So it can't even enter fully into the circulation because it just destroys all the arteries. Because it's, it's, it's like it's a, it's a liquid that just melts the body. So this is the whole approach. You know, let's try to melt the tumor and hope the body doesn't get melted too much in the process. Mm. Devastating. Anyways, this is called treatment. So, um, what was I saying? Um, so we were talking about, um, the approach to cancer and treat identifying and treating the underlying cause. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so this, so to, to heal without a treatment, it means you have to become alive. You really have to become alive again, fully for these deeper reasons why I've like been explaining in little bits here, mm -hmm. because then you're reconnected to your soul. And you can, if you pay attention to how the soul works with energy, you'll see it yourself. You can embody this experience. So it's not just this like a uh, thing I'm talking about, mm -hmm. but if you are, you know, going about your life and then 
you'll just realize that whenever you have a desire, an honest desire for a thing that you're excited about, your energy is just high. It's like actually really flowing. Like all this energy is coming from somewhere. It's coming from the soul. Whereas if you have to go visit like uh, your family or something, or you have to go to this birthday party, or you have to go to a wedding or, or something like some kind of obligation, or you have to say study for a test that you don't even want to do. Whenever you have to do something that you don't want to do, but you choose to do it anyways, a disconnect from the soul occurs. And all of a sudden your life force energy just starts going down. Right. And you can only, you can only live life half fully. You know, you can't live life fully like that. It's like you're in a survival state. Yeah. So this is what, how, one of the ways I help people heal is I get their life force energy flowing again by going through a, an actual change process. So mm -hmm. if you're stressed about writing a test every week, then that has to stop. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but whoa, wait, what am I going to do then if I don't continue to pursue this, uh, this education? How will I survive as a human being? That's where it actually get. that's where you start going into the unknown and it can be scary, but that's where it becomes exciting because now you're entering into the world of what it means to be a free human being and uh, life becomes exciting. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't want to let go of that anxiety around the test or whatever it might be. It's like, Oh, if I'm not worried about that, or I don't have that in my life, what am I going to have? So it's almost like you have to make them realize that it's okay to let go of those feelings and emotions and things that don't serve you anymore and then replace them with the things that do serve you. Mm -hmm. So you're in, more in, in alignment. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things I say about that is it's, it's more about like you, what you said is true. You have to let go of it. But the, the thing that's so hard is in order to let go of those emotions, you have to feel them. Right. You have to feel them and process them. And it's painful and challenging and scary and uncomfortable. But what you notice is, is if you have a, like a really deep cry mm. afterwards, there's a sense of relief usually. And is that because sort of, you, you just released kind of... a whole bunch of stress. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. Yeah. I was going to say, is that sort of, um, cause I guess forgiveness is a big part of the healing process, right? So forgiving people or yourself, even for things that have happened previously in your life, I would assume would be a, a big part of the healing process that you would take people through. Yeah. It, it doesn't always apply because okay. every situation is different and there's a whole spectrum of different types of emotions related that can be, um, uh, part of the entangled chronic stress that a person's in that caused their cancer yeah. or, or could cause it. Uh, so sometimes forgiveness is one of the main uh, emotional ingredients for healing. Okay. Sometimes that is the thing that a person needs to do. But the thing is, it's difficult to do usually, especially if it's intense enough that it caused that it's related to cancer. Um because it has to be real. It has to be true, truly authentic. 
So you, you don't heal if you say, okay, you know what? The right thing to do here is to forgive this person. So I should do that. So I'm just going to forgive them. That doesn't really work because it has to be on a feeling level. And what I teach in my cancer prevention coach training in, the, in my real self emotional healing process, because forgiveness is one of the steps out of the 15, uh, there's another step and it's to develop empathy and compassion. And, the, and I have those, I have forgiveness after empathy and compassion, because in order to forgive authentically, you actually have to develop empathy and compassion. Authentic forgiveness can't happen. It's impossible until real empathy and compassion has been developed. And empathy and compassion is, um, this is one of Paul Czech's teachings in his definition, which is he's the founder of the Czech Institute. He wrote the book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy, which is another amazing book, highly recommended. Um, one of the best books on holistic health I think I've ever read that book. And one of, one of his um, definitions of empathy and compassion is to feel and understand. So you, you can't actually forgive a person until you can kind of feel what they were feeling and, and understand why they behaved the way they did and in, in a deep way. And so you, you have to feel it inside yourself and understand it inside yourself. And then combined with some other spiritual teachings, such as we're all doing the best we can all the time. Actually, we're always just doing the best we can. And what I say in particular is to fulfill our needs. Hmm. We're all trying to fulfill our needs. And if you can't fulfill your needs in a loving, conscious, mature adult way, oftentimes people, people are trying to survive. So they will, do it in some sort of dysfunctional way. So when a person lies, it's because they're trying to survive, really. They're trying to fulfill their needs and they haven't figured out how to live honestly yet. So a quick explanation is that once you kind of understand a few things, and one of them is that we're all actually doing the best we can. So when someone makes a mistake or you yourself, if you make a mistake that you then regret you're, it's like you're carrying regret inside your system or you're carrying resentment or you're carrying anger or intensified anger, like rage or even hatred. You can, uh, you can, you can end up hating yourself for making a mistake, depending on the consequences of that mistake. So in order to transform all that energy that's affecting the physiology, you have to be able to forgive and then let go, like you said. So then once you forgive, it's like the key to letting go of all of that negative, dark energy that's being held in the system. So forgiveness is oftentimes a big component of healing. And that's why it's part of my emotional healing process. So, um, yeah, I hope that is helpful. Yeah. That's amazing, Paul. And I know you have to go, but um, I really want you to have an opportunity as well, just to talk a little bit about your courses and the services you offer, because you not only help people who are suffering from cancer, you also teach clinicians and just people who want to learn how to do this for other people as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing and, and the services you offer and where people can yeah. find that information from you? I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
so in my cancer prevention course, I'm teaching the root cause of cancer in each part of the body, the actual root cause, and, and then how to prevent it. And much of this overflows in how to reverse it. And so to prevent it is my real self emotional healing process. The reason this is, so I've had oncologists take this now, naturopaths take it, housewives, just single people, health, you know, health, people devoted to health, um, like holistic health practitioners and so on. So I'm really happy about that because that this needs to be understood to, to oftentimes a person's symptoms in their body or their health challenges or their life challenges. Um, there's an emotional component to it. So if, even if we're not talking about cancer, this, this applies to mo many diseases, many health challenges and symptoms. So that's why I created this course. And the reason why I created this course as well is that I just realized I'm never going to actually help end cancer if I just continually be totally focused on helping individuals one at a time reverse their cancer. Because mm. it, it takes me like three weeks or a month working with one person. So at the end of the year, how many people have I helped? That's not going to solve the problem. So we have to, I, I switched my focus. And that's why I created my cancer prevention course training. So I, my dream now is to get this knowledge out to people, really teach people in depth how this works. So they have a really deep understanding and then they can integrate it into whatever their abilities or practices are. So as a body worker or a mass massage therapist, by understanding that this, uh, having this deep understanding of emotions and how they work in the body and the tool for healing and reversing everything, then you can uh, help a person heal through touch, but also teach them the, the tools and the understanding for what's causing the pain and how to prevent it. And then, then just, just carries over into what, any kind of um, the alternative fields and even oncologists, you know? So like I said, sometimes it's helpful, for example, to cut a tumor out. I've had clients come to me that wanted to start working with me because nothing else had worked. And now they're told they're going to die. They already worked with an, an oncologist mm. and they have a tumor in their colon that's closed off the colon. So they can't actually go to the washroom. So then they're just throwing up multiple times throughout the day because that's the only way their body can deal with the situation. Cause if you eat, it's got to, the waste products have to come out. So then they're throwing up. So that's an example, for example, where if you just cut that out, then it gives an immediate support to the body mm. and then you can do the real healing work. So yeah, thanks for asking me that. That's my main thing right now is the cancer prevention course training. Then I have a three month mentorship and that's where I coach people uh, through whatever challenge they have whether it's a health challenge or a life challenge. And then there's my book, the root cause of cancer, of course. And my second book is coming soon where I'm going to teach the root cause of cancer in each part of the body with case histories to show how I discovered this. So it's, it's not a theory anymore. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really, and once you understand it in depth, it's just very obvious and you can see it all over the place. For example, um, the cause of lung cancer is unresolved grief. And 
just just a couple of weeks ago, I saw I just noticed somehow I, I wasn't looking up stuff on Superman, but the actor who played Superman, um, I forget his name. Somebody Reeve, uh, Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. his his wife. So he died. And then his wife died two years later. Right. And so immediately when I heard that, with what I understand in my teachings, I knew that I wondered, I wonder if she died of lung cancer Mm. because she died two years after him. And that's a big loss. They had a big, huge, huge marriage. Those two, like, I don't know much about them, but just the brief little article I read, they were together, I think almost their whole life. So then when I looked into that to see what she died of, sure enough, it's lung cancer. Yeah. So it's, it's not a theory for me anymore. So it's, this is important knowledge I want to get out there. So thanks for asking me. So if, if people want to take my course, please come and sign up. I'm holding yeah. it every four months. Every four months. Yeah. I've looked yeah. at it. And, and, and in particular, there's a lot of people that develop cancer that are healthy and they don't understand why. Yes. And it's because of this, like the rate of cancer is one in two people today. So if you're going to be an effective health practitioner, you have to be healthy yourself first. You have to make sure that you are healthy and you know how to navigate challenges in life when they arise, because people can be healthy for a while and then they run into a relationship challenge or a, um, some sort of a life crisis, like a money challenge or, or the meaning of life challenge Mm -hmm. and so on family challenges, friend challenges. And a lot of these things have been intensified through the pandemic stuff. So with this understanding, I would say, I would guess that the rate of cancer will rise massively because of all the pandemic stuff, because the amount of stress and stuck situations and overwhelming positions it put people in. So it's really important knowledge. It's a, it's a tool. So this is a tool that you gain for the rest of your life too. Once you know, my goal is to teach this tool so that people are empowered and they can now just use it forever, you know? Yeah. I love that. And, and I've looked at that course on your website and me and my fiance were having a chat about this maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it is something That's that exciting. I want to, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I want to do. So um, I'm just finishing off a course now, but once I'm done with all that, um, yeah, I'm looking at, at doing this course because I can really see the, the value and how it would I'd be able to treat or just help people with any disease. Because I think a lot of, as you already said, a lot of disease is that um, stress-related original cause. So if you can identify and treat that cause, and it doesn't matter if it's cancer or whatever chronic disease, it's going to have a benefit. So yeah, it's definitely something that I'm going to do. And it, it helps people succeed with their relationships too, and succeed with like to, to transcend the types of challenges that come and not just get stuck in them or let them destroy, destroy you. Um, you know, and one of, one of the common challenges holistic lifestyle coaches have or, or physical trainers have or many different types of health practitioners have is they, they tell their client to go do something because it's healthy, you know, start eating differently, stop drinking so much alcohol, stop doing whatever. And then the person kind of does that potentially well for a while and then they just fall off the wagon and the reason is because 
oftentimes, and probably the majority of the times, if not all of the times, the driving factor is emotional stress yes. behind that. That's not resolved. So a person will sit down and drink, a, get drunk, say, because they actually have a lot of emotional pain that's unresolved. Or they're smoking a cigarette because the amount of stress carrying in their system, they're carrying in their system has come to a peak where they need some relief. So they smoke a cigarette. And this is all related to this unresolved mental, emotional stuff that's going on behind the scenes and affecting the physiology. So as a health, as a health practitioner, we, or just as an individual, if you're a human being, it's important to have the knowledge of the physical realm, how to eat well, how to listen to your body, how to, why it's so important to sleep, how to exercise properly and, and so on and so on but also how to understand your emotions, how to interpret them properly <clears throat> and how to resolve stress challenges when they come. And, you know, one of the things I teach spiritually is that to truly resolve these types of challenges that comes means you must grow through it. You actually become a wiser, more aware, conscious human being when you grow through stress challenges it makes you stronger in the spiritual world and in the mental emotional world. Uh, and I think that's a huge component humanity's missing is the spiritual growth process. Yeah. It's like that, that, what does that even mean? You know, it can be easy to just think going to church means that now somehow you're spiritual, but that's oftentimes just learning more information again. Mm. The spiritual path is about growing and improving your qualities and, and, and so on in a deeper way through embodied experiences. So there's a difference between learning. This is how you climb a tree. Look at these pictures versus going and climbing it because to climb it, you might have to face your fear to begin with. Mm -hmm. So you could learn about climbing a tree and then think that now you understand, and then you go to climb the tree, but you realize, Whoa, this is scary. Uh, it's too high for me. I can't do it. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll stop there. I, I better get going. <laughs> no worries, Paul. That was an amazing chat. And I really appreciate all the wisdom and, and knowledge you bring to these podcasts. And yeah, I highly recommend people go and check out your website. I know you've got an updated one now. So I'll actually go through your previous podcast and put in the updated website. I'll put oh, in all the details in the show notes for this podcast as well. And yeah, I highly encourage people to go and check out your, cause I got your book, the root cause of cancer. And that's great. Um, so yeah, I highly encourage people to go and check out your stuff. Thanks, Paul. Thanks so much, Daniel. Thanks for putting the show on and, and the questions you ask are always so potent. So oh, I good. really appreciate it. <laughs> Hope I didn't get use all your brain power before you go and do your webinar at six o'clock. Uh, you're just, made me flow with life awesome <laughs> you know because we're talking about meaningful stuff and so just yeah it's 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 nourishing to me so thank you oh you're, you're welcome thank you so much paul it's always great to chat with you likewise daniel talk to you again soon okay Cheers. all right thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show the ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional if you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.